Hey now. How you doing, Chris? <laughs> Good, Jared. How you doing? <laughs> Man, here we are, week three of hometown January. And we, we got Soundgarden already. We did Pearl Jam last week. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is the... Don't ask this, about Allison Chains. We did that last year. We so, did. It, you know, maybe even good. two years ago. And, and did a good job. But we didn't include them in this hometown hero, so so don't look for it. Um, but go in the back category. You can look catalog, for it. Go look for it. When I say don't look for it, I mean go look for it. <laughs> Obvi- obviously. But we're about to talk about the elephant in the room. Whenever you talk about second albums in general, let alone January hometown hero. Yeah, let alone the... the the home spot this album is major um there's a great dvd if you're familiar with the uh, british tv show the classic albums where they go in and they they get out the two inch tape and they pull up the faders right there and show you oh this was the track that uh we didn't even use he was singing through a harmonica and uh we mic'd it in the bathtub you sung great praises show. of this show man show. i still haven't tied into this thing and they got a great episode for Nevermind. they're really? a second album is that who we're talking about that's who we're talking about wow you ever heard this record wow <laughs> wow this is enormous record in an, an enormous record and I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here. I don't like to say the only the this the this, but we'll go we'll go top three on this. I'll go as far as top three most illustrative albums of being what creates a great second album, what went into it, and what a little bit of fucking cash influx from a big <laughs> record label can do if yeah. you're ready to throw down some new tunes. And if somebody has Butch Vig's number. Yeah, there's, a, <laughs> there's a witch's brew going on of talent. Yes. <laughs> Dude, I, I mean, how much do you think Butch Vig played in the success of this album? I think a good part. I think he's a hell of a producer. I think he and they would, uh, Kurt would later maybe complain about it, it, this album sounding too slick or overproduced, but that was a popular thing to kind of piss him on about. I also think that they are, uh, he's kind of a complainer. A little bit. You ever read the uh, the diaries? <laughs> no. Uh, Does he complain? A little bit. Does it, these guys, if, if you have some fun and you watch any interview with them, <laughs> they are uh, standoffish and kind of acerbic. Mm-hmm. They don't take things. It's not that they're, they're not cheeky. These are not cheeky boys. Mm. I think they appreciate cheeky. I think they probably have all watched Monty Python and the Flying Circus and several of the movies to, uh, following. Mm-hmm. But we know that Dave's cheeky, but he had wasn't able to come into his cheekiness. Yeah, yeah, Dave. This is this is pupa stage, Dave. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows what kind of butterfly this guy's gonna fucking turn into? Dave's first album uh, with with Nirvana. Yeah, so I think that plays a huge part too. I mean, nothing against uh, what was it? Chad Channing yeah. was the original drummer for Bleach, which their first album is legit. Like, don't be like. Oh, never mind is the shit, and it is. But listen to Bleach, because would you like, say Bleach is to opiate as Nevermind is to Undertow, as far as the Tool Nirvana comparison, and probably the only time you can compare the two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's oh, Sub Pop. It came out on Sub Pop. It's got you know, it sounds like School, and 
school. No, <laughs> Floyd the Barber. You know, just like uh, Sweaty yeah. Bunny. Sweaty Bunny was on there, uh, like the LP version. You know, uh, but the second album, you got a new drummer that just smacks the shit out of everything. It's just like it's going to be evident on the first track that we roll that who Dave Grohl is. Yeah, um, Dave Grohl inspired me amongst other drummers but to to play drums because like almost every time i hear a comedian say how they get into it they <laughs> saw someone and said i could probably do that yeah i think i could do that this song in particular where were you when uh i would um, you know i'm like in 11th grade it hit just right at the perfect time i had maxed out everything that van halen had done that i was really terribly interested in and it we've been said we've said this before i fall off of music pretty pretty frequently frequently yeah and it's not an indictment to the actual material um i listened to this song and it blew me away kind of like a cashmere did from the first time i heard it it was just digestible i could i could get into it i felt like i could sink my teeth into it it was of the time it was for the time for me where you know harder than things i'd been listening to i had been listening to a bit of jane's addiction yet but not fully grabbing the artistry of that fucking band and uh and dave grohl playing watching him play in the video i was like i kind of i remember (laughs) sitting on my couch mimicking Mm -hmm. being like he's doing this with both hands here he's doing double hits exactly (laughs) it's great he loves to smack the shit out of those drums he's a fucking game little did i know is you can't do what dave grohl does he's an insane drummer he's one of the best drummers out there fucking for real have you been catching any of it did you see any of the hanukkah music that he did with greg kirsten last week no but i've been i kept up on the drum battle he did with the little girl that was nice him and the producer greg kirsten uh did eight nights of hanukkah so it's just the two of them every night they play a song live uh (laughs) <laughs> not live on youtube but they would play it live recorded and post it whatever yeah do a little mix and what have you um just the two of them so it'd be greg on the keyboard or piano and dave playing the drums and singing and which it was all he ju- pull, okay oh. let's just let's blow over <laughs> yeah, playing yeah. the drums and singing yeah hard enough hard enough hard to pull off and look cool not that that that's the fucking focus but yeah but he does it you know yeah. who else does it Dave Britt. Dave yeah, Britt can, can fucking sing back backups. Him. You're right. Yeah, and play drums, and he looks good doing it. He fucking kills. He's not playing crazy easy stuff. Dave Grohl, again, who knew what kind of butterfly this man was going to turn into? <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, go ahead. I didn't mean to. I did mean to interrupt you. That's all right. This McClellan Scotch is just too good. Oh, it's, it's great got, Scotch. It's, Thank you, by the way. It's giving me the gift of gab. Yeah. Uh, Chris Novoselic. Bass player. Really? Um, also in the running for one of Seattle's tallest rockers. Very big man. Very tall guy. Should have been in Soundgarden. Yeah. Except for, I, I don't, I think, uh, I, I kind of feel like they would probably get annoyed with him. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only one that ended up a politician after it was all over, so I don't know. Um, yeah. Where was I? I? When I heard this, I was 16, and I got the single... And I sat in my room, and like by the end of like an hour, I had that riff figured out. Because th- do you want to talk about like, oh, I could do that? Yeah, that was totally the same thing on get like for everybody it was like, dun, 
we done power chord. We could do this. What's a power chord? We could do this. And the B-side to the single uh, was Even in His Youth, which is one of my favorite Nirvana songs and it's hard to get a hold of in that form, in that particular version. I think you got to get a box set now or find the old single. Or just get on the internet. I mean, are box sets becoming a thing of the past? I don't know. Probably in the digital. Yeah, you know, in this digital age, what I go on Amazon, they got the most. Dude. They got all the and, and the and the, the got real, it all. The tragic thing is a box set as a Christmas gift. <sighs> I still Good love move. it. I still yeah. love it. I just Ow. busted out my uh, Division Bell Pink Floyd box set the other night. Yeah, they're still fun. Sat in a '95 fucking Ford and. Put the tapes in the deck and just really Let it hissed rip. away into the Let evening. Her. Oh, good Watch old Saturn impression. and Jupiter meet. And yeah. <laughs> well, everybody knows the song we're talking about. It's the first song on this album. And it's kind of the song that just kicked the whole thing open. Like a lot of people owe it to this. Not just Nirvana, but everybody else in Seattle and anyone else who wasn't playing hair metal at the time and maybe had a little more of an indie edge to him. This was the gateway drug. And it goes a little something like this. <laughs> there he is. That's just like full production. Yes, it and feels- I'm trying to think... some doubled up guitars yeah like butch is putting in work like this is sounds so good on the radio it does butch vig is hitting his model with this album what was butch vig doing but like before this just i gotta gonna, just gonna run right over that fucking post that's all i do i man. love it all i know how to do which i only i'm only calling it out because i think that's funny <laughs> And you had pledged to lead me into it from every episode forward, so, you know. Smashing Pumpkins, Green Day, okay. Um, yeah, he did some shit. Yeah, he did the Siamese Dream coming come uh, after this album in 93, a Siamese Dream, which we talked about with Steve-O. Did Gish, like, Butch Vig's got Wall of Sound down. And something that Kurt Cobain resisted in the beginning of them working together is doubling. He didn't want to double his vocals. He was he, there. These guys, <laughs> Kurt especially, is coming with a, an appreciation of punk music and and not selling out, not man. selling out, but working your ass off to get not a deal. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. And that's something that uh, that everybody we're talking about in Seattle has. Yeah, it's the, I'm going to be on the cover of Rolling Stone, but my t-shirt's going to say corporate magazines still suck. <laughs> uh, having your cake and fucking it too? I don't know what you call that, but it worked. But I think I think Butch was just like, listen, man, and that's the difference between Bleach and now is the production is big money production. Mm-hmm. The machine behind this thing is oh. big money machine. And this... David Geffen's writing the checks on this one. Yeah. And this album... Specifically, this song. I mean, ba 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 ba. I think like I can do that. Gun, and Raging is it, against the machine could do it. Yeah, fucking uh, Jimi Hendrix band. Of, <laughs> I was gonna say Band of Brothers. <laughs> 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 and the Gypsies, the Gypsy Brothers. 
Uh, same thing. It's a great drum trope. It's like good illustration. You know, you work in threes. It's these compositional elements that Nirvana's nailing with this first song. Butch Vig is nailing with his kind of innovation of wall of sound, clean wall of sound, made for radio, and that gets absolutely hits every chord for almost everybody who appreciates music yes. as soon as this hits the radio. It gets Kurt to do the thing where he doubled the melody from the from the verse for your solo. I mean, yeah. that's that's a Kurt Cobain thing. It is. A callback to your vocal melody. Yeah. Well, and if you got fresh vocal melodies like that, that's the thing. Kurt Cobain was a pop songwriter. Yeah. I don't think he ever said he was anything but. He said he wanted to be like the Pixies. Like, Even said that uh, Never Mind the Bollocks was a pop record. I think so. Absolutely. Yeah. Fucking produced and fucking put one out the, just like a pop record. One of the nastiest boy bands you ever met. Right? Really? <laughs> Is it well put, dude? Um, <laughs> I know that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we didn't even, I mean, Butch Vig, we didn't even talk about garbage that he would go on to be in and produce and those records are they're good. Yeah, they sound nice. Get that 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 one last time. Yeah. yeah, let's eat this up a little bit. It's it, the bass drum work isn't complicated. It's right on the fucking money though. Yeah. Just like. I could, I can now nowadays. I can play this song, mm-hmm. um, and it didn't take long once I learned hi hat, snare, and kick to be able to play this song. It's accessible, and it has nothing to do with its uh, poignancy. Mm-hmm. It's kind of it's it's the three chord song. It's it's. I mean, these this is even a throwback to to Beatles song structure, which yeah. is making pop, you know, mm-hmm. music. Um, it has all of those elements, all of the appreciation, and I think they're not really throwing the. You know, we're coming off of the the heyday of guitar solos and Guns yeah, and Roses into the death of guitar solos. Yeah, exactly. They held on yeah. for a long time, and these guys have a historic argument with Guns and Roses, specifically <laughs> Axel. Hi, Axel. Yeah, hi, Axel. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a fucking. There's a shit. This is yeah. there's a changing of the guard that's happening right here. That's it. That's what it is. Because you know what? I mean, Kirk Cobain put plenty of guitar solos, but they're kind of anti solos. Mm-hmm. And, and, and but they're still they're they're almost curious. But nobody told Jerry Cantrell. Nobody told Kim Dale. And you no know, nobody told Jay Mascus that guitar solos weren't right. cool anymore. <laughs> it was just the way that you did it. It wasn't the. Weedly wee, you know, if you're Jay Mascus, it was Weedly Weedly, but there was just it wasn't that level of perfunctive. Uh, like you were just practicing your no scales. reflection on your shirt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, you're just practicing your, your scales here in front of everybody. Do we need this? Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, so a, a the good, guitar solos took a hit in the '90s, but they didn't die for sure because Van Halen's still working pretty hard oh, right Van now. Van Halen is on on the charts this week when we get into it. There we go. I mean, they, I mean there's this there's is that time. Yes, overlapping trajectories. There's an an end of a guard of the of glam rock. I mean, this album basically put the nail in the coffin. 
because yes. louder than love it had it had a dialogue with it but it didn't have the fucking um juice behind it this not was... not musically but just with social acceptance yeah to to put the end to it though they were they're soldiers in the fucking army yeah you ask anybody in poison or uh trickster or any of those bands that were hitting the charts striper in, are we gonna, we're early 91 we're gonna get there any any of Do you those know what the name of striper second album is i don't what is it? second coming oh come right? on right mcmullen get in here and just come it, on chris let us know uh where the fuck was we were, we were talking about changing hole. of the guard yes yeah, that's what happened, Chris. <laughs> so, <you know. laughs> oh, man, I'm sorry I derailed you. <laughs> we'll find another point. This is another album, kind of like we said last week with Pearl Jam, where there's there's only four singles off this album. But all of these were on the radio constantly. Yeah, full saturation. Yeah, it was one of those albums where they just would play anything. Yeah. And we would eat it up. Yeah. Um, this one in particular... Oh, I love this song. So uh, as far as the first song, Smells Like Teen Spirit, <laughs> as a single, as the first oh, song, no, I remember. your lead-off batter, yeah. fucking, it's it's like hitting every mark right down the right down the lane. And as ubiquitous as it was, and how maybe... Jesus Christ, your, di- it, your diatribe had ubiquitous in there, and I cut it off? Dude. My bad, dude. For doing it a second time. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I'm not as drunk as I was at the end of the Soundgarden uh, episode, so I can say <laughs> words like ubiquitous and they come out correctly. Um, but as as much as that song is everywhere, and maybe you could be forgiven for getting just a little sick of it at some point, and you, maybe you don't think about it, but like every time it comes on, you're still just kind of happy about it, and yeah, you're like, just okay. listening to it just now. Right. I'm like, yeah, this there's a reason why we got sick of this song because we loved it so much that we played it all the fucking time it was everywhere yeah. I, I remember humming it on a ski lift <laughs> and just being like having this conversation with uh, my friend Chris going that's a good song right <laughs> uh, yes yeah, did you hear the song I heard that song <laughs> like we were talking about a new song I haven't talked about uh, okay that's all of, of a lie we talk about new songs all the time and we, yeah, but and, with and that excitement, not, though, with that excitement, because it was new, it was like a something pressure wave that was going through whatever fucking for. click you're in. That was the song you've been waiting for, right there. Yeah, and here it came. But uh, in bloom is no slouch either, and I'll play that one next right now. Four big dumb pills. That's. It's just so ironic feeling, you know. And then coupled with Doug Llewellyn and Nirvana, (laughs) that's right. And this was their fourth single. This was the last single on the album. I I remember the video, like you said, the the, uh, the old fifties TV show kind of yeah, little buddy Holly, very much. Kurt's got the glasses. Nice chorus on that guitar, by the way. See, they they hit that mark a lot there. Well, that's your Pixies Quiet Loud, Quiet Loud that he Fuck yeah. was aping quite intentionally. Yeah. 
that's a nice snapback into like uh, chorus, then semi bridge back into chorus again. Yes. They're playing a little bit with the song structure, but keeping it totally catchy. Totally. And What's that? It's kind of what Soundgarden did with the actual timing of their songs, where <laughs> you feel like it's four four, but it's not. Yeah. But it, they do it so well, you, you're you can bob your head to it. At no time do you, do these guys shake you off of the ride that they're offering. I agree with that. <laughs> this is the beginning of like uh, what the '90s and, and maybe grunge would be known for. It's just like the irony. Yeah. Like the lyrics in this are just drip. You know, yeah. he's the one who likes all her pretty songs. And, you know, nature's a whore, man. It's just, I mean, oh, fuck. No, it's, it, a it's year later, even the most sincere, earnest band of all time, U2, is like, fuck it. We're putting on the LeMay and the sunglasses and the... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, sincerity's done. We're, we're putting a pin in sincerity for the rest of the 90s. Right. Unless you're Eddie Vedder. This is, uh, you know, this is the embodiment of Ethan Hawke in Reality <laughs> <Yes>. Bites. <laughs> you're like, it's, you're reading, you read and you're bitter. Yeah. <laughs> and... Clever. I wear a gas station attendant shirt, <laughs> which totally, I dude. which I did. Did you? <laughs> oh yeah. Did Come you? On. Do you have a patch? Like, did, oh, I had one, a name did patch. You, did you have a name patch? It wasn't my name though. Brand? No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> what are you in a band? <laughs> Only if you're in a band could it be your name. See, going for the more noisy, uh, not doing the melody. This is more his like Thurston Moore shit right here. Well, they're playing and have been playing with Sonic Youth quite a bit mm-hmm. at this point. So there's there's crossover there. Yeah, uh, almost in tra- trajectory. Which then obviously this album just I think they blew up while on tour opening for like yeah. how's that when your opening band just eclipses you? And this band Nirvana, and because of the strength of Smells Like Teen Spirit and the support of every other bit of music on this album never mind blew away any marketing strategy that Geffen Records David Geffen Records um, had to get them in front of people yeah. the, basically the popularity outgrew what the label could do to try to make them popular so they just had to throw it all into the wind and just start coll- and just be like we, we need to hire more m- people to collect this money you don't you don't look yeah you don't look a gift horse in the mouth when you got a runaway hit that nobody really saw coming. I mean, somebody must have saw something coming, but well, not like this. Okay. I mean, I'll, how could you know? Yeah. How could you know? Good point. But also, um, this album smacks a conviction, and I want to bring up fucking Bob Marley and the Whalers again. Okay. One, Bob Marley and Kurt Cobain have a commonality in that they say heavy stuff in a very simple way such that even kids can understand it. Um, They make great melodies, and it's really easy to get their message. They're they're not getting cooped up in their fucking articulation of it, almost like I'm about to. Well, Bob Marley was 100% less ironic. 100% less ironic. (laughs) (laughs) I I think he meant it when he told me not to worry about a thing. You're right. <laughs> I, I took right. him at his word. Um, now, if he was being sarcastic, that turns into a really shitty th- song real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't worry. No, everything. No, right. Yeah, everything's gonna be alright. <laughs> uh, Rye Bob Marley. Oh. 
But uh, it, it also feels like they put every bit of money they had offered for them to make an album into this album. They, they got good people. Yeah. They had a good place to record it. They had the backing. Uh, Sunset. Stu- Sunset Sound, yes. Yeah, Sunset Sound Studios with the with that Neve board that everybody was going nuts about. Yeah, that they're ended not up fucking in around. Dave Grohl's uh, garage. This is the Fleetwood Mac board. Yep, they're not fucking around. <laughs> they went straight to the Fleetwood Mac board, right? And I mean, just a, a fucking documentary someday on Dave Grohl's fucking career and his A to B to C, what he gathered along the way, and so I mean, that is a that is a. St- Storied fucking career, man. Like you sleep on him because he's funny. Yeah, he, yeah. He's like kind of Joe Everyman, dude. After after Nirvana and Kurt Cobain's death, the first time I saw him, Dave Grohl playing for Tom Petty on SNL. Uh, yes, playing Bumblebee or uh, and, Honeybee. And you're like, what? And he had the high hat. He had everything way high, not ergonomically good to play. No. And you're like. What the fuck are you doing? You just got that shit way up here. You're hidden behind and, there. And the heartbreakers have never swung that hard. Hard. H O W R D. Hard. Fucking tight. Oh, watch that. And he's got a shit eating grin on his face the whole time. Like, I'm playing with fucking Tom Petty right now on Saturday Night Live. Right. Look at me, Manal Mom. Dude, think about. Um, as as a drummer who who he's played with, eh, the fucking list goes on, oh man. God, and old. how quality the stuff he did. It's not like, and I'm not sleeping on Phil Collins or, or bagging on him, <laughs> but he played with Zeppelin, and that was really good. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. But also, Grohl has played with members of Zeppelin. And that was better. And that was a little bit better. Remember when Grohl got swole for that tour? <laughs> He did. Do you remember seeing him on yeah. that? We went to that show. Do you remember? He looked he like John Bonham. Yeah. Like, did maybe He's had like a drumming. little bit of a hint of a gut? But you his have to. Arms, to be a really good drummer, you got to have a little bit of that lower arms. tire. He had to have been pumping iron. I mean, his yeah. arms were massive. Yeah. They had sandbags on his kit to keep yeah. him in place. Yeah. He was not fucking He's, around. So He's in the in that really nice class of drummers, a bashers. Yeah, just bad. It was one of those things that when we were playing together, and Bobby would say, <laughs> "Be always the direction to give." Yeah, to yeah. Drummer. I don't know. Just kind of like bash. <laughs> it was it was those things that I could. That basically, what your brother does and what Dave Grohl did on Queens of the Stone Age. Oh my God, songs for the deaf. That's right. I mean, the best you, Queens album to me. And and it's just you're like oh, that's educated bashing. I, I don't have educated bashing. <laughs> it's the heavy tribal meanderings with, the, yeah. with, with slight pockets, with slight flares of pocket. Um, you know, I, I, it's swinging just... with a chance of pockets. <laughs> what are you gonna do? It's Dave Grohl, dude. Yeah, I mean, storied career, fucking yeah. absolute crazy musician. This song's a little controversial to some people. Come as you are. It's also the slogan of Aberdeen. When you drive into town, yeah. uh, come as you are, because that's where these boys are from. And let me At tell least you two something, of them. kind of a dreary town. You I, get where he's coming from when you go there. My folks live just like, out, not just outside, way outside of Aberdeen. You know where the you know where Capella's Beach is and Ocean Shores. Yeah, yeah. So you got to drive through Aberdeen, Hoquiam yeah. every time. And you're just kind of like, oh my God. And you think Aberdeen is like bummer. Wait till you get to Hoquiam and you're like, oh. Yeah. No offense. I, I, you know. <laughs> so, so geographically speaking before we get into this fucking third track 
your 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 pinnacle third track on yeah. an album. They've already obviously you're not going to have a bigger hit than the first first track on here. So they they're already because of popularity kind of fucking with the format yeah. whether they meant it or not. Yeah. Um Aberdeen is on the east side of a harbor, Gray's Harbor, mm-hmm. and it's a logging town. And when I say logging town, it was a logging was, town. Yeah, there's, there's <laughs> still there's, a mill, trying to get it going. mill or two. Um, we're talking northwest trees. We're not we're not talking just regular, like, ah, oh, yeah, we fuck. This is big earth logging. There's some old growth. This is, I mean, a couple hundred feet high are these piles of organized trees that are hewn <laughs> yeah, down. You ever seen a it, yeah, a log or lumber or not a lumber yard. I've never yard. seen a lumber. <laughs> what do you call it? <laughs> I when I drive into Aberdeen, every fucking time I go surf out at Westport. Yeah. Because in Aberdeen you have the choice to go north or south around Gray's Harbor. Right. And uh and the north is the ocean shores and the Ho- Hoquiam Ocean Shores Point Grenville, Quinault Indian Reservation, you just get more and more remote till the road stops. Yes. And but not where the land stops, just the road. And they're like, and then there's just fucking You gotta walk the rest. Yeah. Coastal wild wilderness. <laughs> yeah, man. This, it's beautiful out there. It's beautiful. Lake it's big. It's daunting. I can imagine fucking rainy days with Kurt Cobain's Sitting under a bridge somewhere in Aberdeen, sleeping under the bridge, which yeah. he kind of calls out every now and then in his in his storied writings, which seem to be all coming from personal experience. And, yeah. uh, you know, he's emoting. Most of this album is his perspective. We, we, we've got um, Chris Novoselic, Dave Grohl um, accompanying, but it feels like. These are all Kurt Cobain's perspectives yeah. that are coming at you. Even Polly is his reaction to something he read in a newspaper. You know, it's it's like kind of from her perspective, but it's his, it's him, yeah, reporting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this was the second single on the album. I said it's a little controversial because uh, it bears some striking resemblance to a Killing Joke song. And as we discovered a couple, two, three weeks ago, a little resemblance to a Cure song as well. Um, which you know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna steal, that's two good sources, right? There's, there. there's, there's Robert Smith, Kurt Cobain tieovers for sure. Yeah, and you know what? I'll allow it. <laughs> Yeah, you remember the video kind of had like that underwater theme and it was, everything was kind of had ripples and waves on yeah. it. It's very fitting. Yeah. The beautiful bass line. Chris Novoselic was just going thoroughly to work on this song. Drum shit again. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Dave 
Dave loves to do the double snare hit in the, on this album yeah. to, to sum up a, a part, to signet, signal a change. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> I just saw him on the, I don't know when they did it. I, it was new to me. Whatever somebody, a bunch of drummers had done a tribute to Ringo, and they had Ringo's kid out there. And it was everybody playing, uh, the was it the end? Oh, yeah. Good from the white. Yeah, yeah. Everyone is cutting in between everybody playing Quest Love, Grohl. Yeah. Everybody playing on Ringo's kit and talking about the crazy shit like Ringo would do his rolls backwards and weird shit like that. Lingo. And Dave was paying attention. Lingo. <laughs> Lingo, Ringo. Uh, he led. Uh, he led his fills with his left hand. Yeah. And so Which I didn't know was a thing. Yeah, he's playing a right handed kit. But when he would start his fills, he wouldn't go. Lead right hand, left hand, right hand, left hand. He'd lead with the left hand. Melody solo. Totally. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, Proceed. Yeah. Which which just gave it a little wobble. Yeah. You know? Just, it was something it was Ringo. Yeah. That was his thing. It's like yeah, Jimmy yeah. playing his guitar upside down. It kinda gave him a sound nobody else had. Just just by approach. Yeah. Ringo has six fingers on his left hand too. A lot of people don't know. <laughs> He killed uh, the Spaniard's dad. Yeah. His, his great grandfather. <laughs> this every song? Blickum, blickum, blickum. It's a blickum, blickum fucking album, man. It's the, uh, yeah. You could play this song on acoustic guitar. It's a pretty song. You could play it on a piano. You could. Range this a million different ways. It's still gonna be a good song. It, I mean, this is a, a classic. Name that song in two notes. <laughs> right. Don't Doom, dude. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The tone, the everything is just singular to this song, except it's not. It's from two other songs. <laughs> but you know, when it's this one, they they put their stamp on it. You know. Once again, well, this was a this was an actual single, but yeah, I remember this one. I think probably anything they made a video for was probably an actual single. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. Now, what this album's doing really well, and I know we're not talking about first albums and third albums, but In Utero comes after this. Yeah. And it's their chance. I, f I feel like it's their first real chance to follow something up because Bleach is a good album, but Bleach didn't even touch what Nevermind did. Fuck no, it. I'm sure a lot of people thought this was their first album. Yeah. And so with In Utero, which which is a fucking great album, and it, and they put yes. a lot of material on that album. And they do what they're doing here just as well, if not better, because this is a band that you can kind of track how they're getting used to recording, getting used to playing, and then adding Pat Schmier for a second guitarist because right now we're talking one of the best power trios ever hey you know right. put them in put them in the conversation we we putting them up in there yeah um it, it's they did they did more than they did more than some of the other power trios we're talking about i mean police as far as cult cultural relevance yeah i think so <laughs> uh rush Oh, I think Nirvana has way more cultural relevance than Rush, and it's not 
uh, you know, it's nothing against Rush. No, it's, it's no, uh, against it's no What's slam. What's their second on. album? Did we do that? No, but we should. It's like Fly By Night, right? I think it's yeah. Neil Peart's first album. With really? Him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, oh, that's the dude. thing. It's on your second album. You get the shit hot drummer. You get the and shit. And you make it all happen. <laughs> it, which supports the case that the drummer is one of the more replaceable members of a band. But when you get that. But. <laughs> and it's a big but. When you get that guy, though, when you get your Neil Peart, when you get your Dave Grohl. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Don't you know where the money went? Yeah, when, once you lock in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, was Breed a single? I got to check this real quick. No. But another one, you just feel like you heard all the time, Breed. Uh, I had, Steve Earle, I saw do an awesome cover of this uh, one time. I was opening for Pearl Jam or something at the Key. And if you know Steve Earle, he's kind of like a country Americana guy. But kind of had a rock band and um, like drugs and stuff. So um, when they covered this, it wasn't that weird, but it was, right. it was pretty awesome. Uh, breed. You can build a house or you can grow up, plant a house, build a tree. There's some weird lyrics in this one. But listen, that guitar, though. But if it's not broken, don't yeah. fix it. Come on. How refreshing is it? Now, song four, they're going, they're going into this fucking this punk rock right here. Yeah, pedal to the metal. One of my favorite songs for there. Yes. Because there's no melody until that chorus kicks in. Yeah. This is all just punk rock and very hardcore. Yes. And then that chorus. And you're ready for it when it kicks. Right here. It's kind of like paint the chickens, you know, <laughs> uh, pluck the yard. <laughs> Rape the horses and rode off on the women. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but this is this is such a good dope. We're now we're getting back to the smells like Teen Spirit, like punk rock vibe, but even less melodic. Like these verses are just like two notes uh, on the melody, yeah, 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 yeah. and it's hard as fuck. It's awesome. Yeah. And he's doing the just like he's strangling the neck of the guitar on something like. Love that song. You, and you love to see it too, man. Yeah. Wearing that cardigan sweater, the sloppy <laughs> hair, and he's just like and wrenches on that. Or what did he, he play? A Mustang or a, a Fender? Was it a Telecaster? He probably played a lot. They're all Fenders. I remember a Mustang. Yeah. yeah. The weird, the cool looking ones they had that weird shape. Well, I, yeah, I don't remember what he was playing through, but he was a, a, mostly a Fender player. Yes, because he's a smart guy. Fucking right. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I don't know. Remember what Dave Grohl played uh, through this? I mean, maybe Tama or something like that. Oh, a little, uh, a little, pan, little panning. Some noise solo. I love this. Well, this is some Sonic Youth kind of inspiration, you know? You, you see those, those folks playing on stage every night, and they're just strangling their instruments yeah. and getting these crazy sounds out of the feedback. They have one of the best song titles ever. Who's that, Sonic Youth? Yes. Moist Vagina. It's a great track. It was the B-side Pink Mist. What was that? 
Oh my gosh. We're gonna, we're, we, maybe we should visit them. Oh, uh, I could do that. We do like a Sonic Youth, My Bloody Valentine. Let's do an East. So we're doing this hometown month. We do yeah. an East Coast oh, like quicksand. noise. Ro- yeah, East Coast noise rock November. Okay, <laughs> noise okay. rock November. No, yeah. okay, I'm not wait that long. <laughs> November. Geez. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm going to Singapore for a bit. I was thinking, oh, you're going to be in Singapore. You're going to be out of town for most of February. This, aren't you? It's getting weird because now, okay, yeah. to talk about quarantine, if I can, um, when I go to Singapore, I have to quarantine for three days in a hotel room where I don't get the key card. They oh. put they lock you in your room. Oh shit! You don't get the card, and they will put three meals a day out in front of your door. And then you get to open your door, pull it in. I'm in jail, man. But it's a hotel room. You got internet access? I'm sure. Okay. I'm sure. I mean, I hope. And a VPN so you can watch Netflix correctly? Yeah, yeah. All right. You know, that they're going to have... It's Look Singapore at the right is like, a, like city of the future. <laughs> porn is weird in different countries. There's different protocols. Yeah. Um, Anyway, three days. I'm just saying, you know, I'm not trying to be gross, but three, oh, yeah, three yeah. days, you got to lose at what least three monk? pounds. <laughs> yeah, what, right? What do I get to fucking meditate for yeah, this? Yeah, go fuck Log- yourself. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so if you stay in country as it stands now for 14 days, mm-hmm. then you have to quarantine for two weeks. On the way back? On the way back or, or the way back to them or mm-hmm. before you leave. So now we're looking at going for quarantine for three days, work for 13 days, fly out, come home for two weeks, fly back, quarantine for three days, work for 13 days, and hope we nail it by that point. Yeah. Dude, it... Time's getting slippery, my Man, friend. I will see you later. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. We'll see. We'll see. I'll see you on the other side of this thinking, thing. Oh, that's too bad. I was thinking of doing all hip hop for Black History Month. Well, I'll tell you what, man. I mean, I got nothing to do but sit in my room. That's true. We get we can do in my goo. <sighs> I just I just Let's got my Bluetooth connection for the thing. Let's you do, do a phoner. Let's do a phoner. Let's oh do it on the road. God. All right. Dude, who knows? First. I mean, we, I might. Do, I mean, I might have crazy internet. We could do a right. video Ooh, chat. Super gig. Get you on the Skype. <laughs> super gig. <laughs> uh, so I like. I like that fucking fourth song. Kind of cleanses the palate a little bit. Yes. Sticks with you, and uh, I mean it's it's. Earworm. Yeah, he totally. Had, he had the he had the know how. He he had the knowing. This third single. So this is a little front loader today. Eh? Here's your. We've already been through. This is the fifth song. We've already run through all four singles. Yeah. So breed is the only one not being a single so far. Uh, nevertheless, heard it on the radio a ton. But lithium. That is a fender. I'm so happy because today more of that irony. In my head. I'm so these guys know how to air it out. Okay, they do that. They let the ride do a lot of fucking heavy lifting. Because as much as you can break it down right here, it's that much heavier when you really bring it. Yeah. For these choruses. There's a formula. Don't get me wrong. They knew what they were doing. Now I think this 
over and over yeah yeah is pulled off really well by Kurt Cobain and not at all by Dexter fucking Manly or whatever Dexter fucking <laughs> Point from, Dexter Point Point or, from uh, the Offspring or Bush yeah. or anybody else who yeah kind of tried to get on there and and you get a lot of Eddie Better clones Kurt Cobain is not an Eddie Better clone the contemporaries you get a lot of Cobain, Cobain clones with all the bands that you just mentioned yeah. um and nobody does it as well. You could, you could argue for Eddie Vedder, Stone Temple Pilots do a pretty good fucking job. Sure. Scott Weiland did all right. He did a little Pearl Jam and sex type thing. He did a little House of Chains. Yeah. It's all over the map. Yeah, he's bridging. Uh, Cracker Man is a pretty good Nirvana song. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, their second album. Should get there. I mean, they were kind of everything we just said. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, good songwriters. Some sticky songs. That's what it boils down to, I suppose. Proper bridges. In a way, it's it's like really good high school poetry. <laughs> yes, he was. And I don't think. T- Kurt Cobain didn't graduate high school. No. Um, did uh, this isn't um, a Rage Against the Machine? We went to Harvard kind of statement band. <laughs> this, is, this is coming from uh, emotional beginnings. Yeah, sure. And there's a talent in the whole composition, but none of them are the best there at this go. stage. You know? Yeah. A little synergy. For sure. Yeah. That's okay, so are you. I mean, ride and fucking stick it. Stick Keep it a small. Yeah, it's a Frank Lloyd Wright approach to songwriting. <laughs> yeah. These all sounded pretty good coming out of the car stereo and you had the radio on. Yeah, produced for it, mixed for it, you know, and it, and that format was in full stride at this point. CDs were out, for sure, you had the option, but there was tons of fucking radio play. It was still a thing. I guess people still listen to the radio. Yeah, and kind of in an ironic way for Nirvana. <laughs> um Pearl Jam gets famous not because of toiling locally, but because of uh, breaking on the radio, breaking across the country before they broke in Seattle. Now, we've played at some of the venues that Nirvana played at. True enough, the central. Fucking central, man. I'm still stoked on that. The the idea, (laughs) in the same way that you got to record at London Bridge, I'm fucking stoked that we actually played the central a decent amount of times we did some work at the central we i'm not gonna lie work. we did some work there i gotta say i'm most comfortable playing at the central i knew where the soft spots on the stage were right there had the load in down <laughs> had a crazy wednesday one one night where there was like a hundred and something people there that was weird that was weird yeah <laughs> like i didn't know hardly any of them right <laughs> where'd you all come from <laughs> um and and that takes you back to this band playing local shows. They're fucking tried and true. 
playing local shows and um, cutting their teeth on house parties, fucking yes. backyard shows, you know, a little Van Halen work ethic there too. They decided to, we're going to, you know, we're going to play music. Yeah. That's it. We're not going to art school. We're not doing this. I, I'm not sure what I'm going to do after this. I don't like what I necessarily what I was doing before this. So let's put every fucking effort into doing this. Let's get it. Let's get, let's get it. after it. Just don't say that out loud. Let's not speak openly about our ambitions. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first rule of Fight Club in the 90s. Right. You think I don't know the law? Remix. <laughs> Uh, let's round out this first side of the album with, uh, we talked about a little bit earlier, Polly, all about an article he read while eating breakfast one morning about a girl being held hostage, but I think she escaped. I think I he think saw Silence of the Lambs. I think, right? Because this is a little put the lotion in the basket. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just that. I mean, do you have to be sad to write a sad song? Polly wants a cracker Think I should get off her first Think she wants some water To put out the blowtorch Yeah, this point, like, what is going on in that room? Excuse me now? One, you can't use water to put out a blowtorch It doesn't work like that, currently very subtle harmonies on myself there. Yeah, this is the Butch Vig doubling influence. It's just like, just fucking do it, man. It's gonna sound better. Like most everybody, if you just let them know that that's what John Lennon did, exactly. then they'll fall right in line. Exactly. Well, it took for me. And that's the parallel with his death. It was our generation's John Lennon, you know, as far as being called out. Yes. They never come in with the blick and blick and blickums on this one, I'll tell you that. Yeah, no, they, they, she, <laughs> Polly doesn't get rescued, I don't think. I think Polly and Luca and Jeremy are all having <laughs> fucking troubles <laughs> right now. And Marcus. And Marcus. <laughs> Marcus, Luca, Polly, they all had a bad time. Fucking. And, and Nigel, too. <laughs> Forget Nigel. Polly says her back hurts She's just as bored as me She called me off my guard See, that's the part that makes me think she got away. She caught him off his guard, you know? She caught him looking. She dry gulched him. The thing is, he's still writing the song. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. History is written by those who have hanged heroes. He left out the verse of... And then I dug a hole, put her in, <laughs> right next to Luca, and Marcus too. Yeah. Nigel, help me dig the hole. Are you talking about we're only making plans? Yeah. It's in, the, in the pantheon of like you writing songs about unfortunate dudes. <laughs> unfortunate folk. You know, you threw Jeremy, Nigel, <laughs> Polly. 
<laughs> you know, the guys that had it rough. Oh, my God. I want to put a list together. <laughs> you already hit like five. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we did it, Chris. We made it halfway. And, uh, oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. All right. What do you want to do? Some movies? Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk about what we were watching around this yeah. time, because this album comes out in September 1991. Mm-hmm. Do you know its working title was Sheep? I did not know that. That was the working title for Nevermind. I think uh, it was a good move to change it. Yeah. Now this is also just two years after Bleach, as far mm-hmm. as they're recording it. Yeah. So they I mean, it's moving. It's moving. This yeah. band's moving. Bad fucking. They got. They got a lot of fucking momentum behind them. Um, other things that are moving around the world. Let's. Uh, you said movies. Let's. We'll hit the movies here. All right. And then we'll do a little bit of world events, and then. Uh, and then I'll hand it off to you, Jared. Uh, what else was moving was River Phoenix on my own private Idaho. Oh shit! Yeah. Still alive. Fucking just finished. It's a heavy movie. It's a heavy movie. It's heavy boy. Yeah. Um, we got My Girl. Oh shit, that's a heavy movie too. Another see? How are you gonna kill Macaulay Culkin? Spoilers, sorry. Mm. But the bees get them. Bees, you get them with the bees. fucking bees. That's Your weapons you are useless them. against them. That's what Joe Pesci should have fucking used in the Home Alone movies. <laughs> fucking send some bees after that fucking. Brat. Hey, little kid. <laughs> yeah, the wet bandits got it wrong. <laughs> Delicatessen came out, uh, which is a uh, city of lost children. Um, oh, I thought it was like a fragrance. So I don't know. No, no, it's a it's a it's a killer movie. We, that's we'll put that with the in laws. That's the French guy that made the in yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the Alien movie. That and, was weird. And uh, <laughs> but I liked it. I liked his Alien movie. Um, we also are starting a trend around this time with Sleeping with the Enemy, which is oh. battered women fight back. Yeah. Thank God. We got Point Break. Oh, shit. Fucking Johnny Utah gets his guy. Uh, and uh, we're learning about Jim Morrison and what it's like to oh involve yourself in method acting through the eyes of Val Kilmer. With The Doors. Fucking The Doors of Perception. Still a pretty good movie. The Commitments comes out this year. And let me tell you, if you have not seen The Commitment, you have you not seen The Commitment? Sorry, no. Oh, bro. Is that the Irish band? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I heard. Of, yeah. Oh, <laughs> that'd be fun. It's a, it's a fun movie. <laughs> it's a good flick. I believe it. And then, probably the best movie that came out this year, and a movie that I took a date to, mm. City Slickers. <laughs> Not even two, like Curly's nah, Gold? Nah, this OG. is the OG. Yeah, this, is, this is the first oh, time you see. Roll them, roll them, roll them. <laughs> Got my ass <house> swollen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, her name's Carrie. <coughs> really <coughs> nice, pretty lady. Ish. Um, no, totally, totally Damn, pretty. Man. No, no. Put. <laughs> it was the first. Uh, that was the first girl that I was into. She was into me, but she was into playing uh, head games. Ish. Yeah. And uh, and I mean, I, I'm fresh onto the. I, I, I've got zero game. Very very little game. And. Uh, so, you know, long talks about about stuff late into the evenings and, and yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, God bless. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a whole bunch of other good movies that came out. Would I would I um, 
what I remember mostly about city slickers on that first date is I picked her up in my truck. Yeah. Had an 85 Chevy Blazer. Mm-hmm. And um, when I would slow down the passenger seat when loaded with a passenger, we'd kind of shook them forward. Okay. I kept thinking she was hitting her head against the passenger window because <laughs> you go, shukun, shukun. and I was like, am I stopping too short? I'm so yeah. nervous. Busting her in the head? Yeah. Am I, am I making her hit her head against the window? And I was- have CTE by I, the time you get to the movie theater. Right. And I wasn't. She didn't hit her head against the window. I was just, I, I'm fabricating, <laughs> fabricating things on this, on this. Maybe my first date. Oh, I don't know. City Slickers. Wow. Yeah, yeah. City Slickers day. holds. A, oh, it's it's also it's a pretty good movie. Yeah, okay. That movie holds up. Right. So what happened? Let's, let's see. Was there anything major? in Nineteen ninety one. World events coming at you. It was the <laughs> final <laughs> year. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> the media tells me, so I believe that. The final year of the Cold War. Oh shit! It's over. Right. We're done. We're basically done with war. Wall's been down a while. Yep. Uh, but it is the beginning of the of the uh, Gulf War. <laughs> so that was a good swap out. 34 nations agreeing to go in. Um, oh, the original, like, Desert Shield, Desert Storm. This is... Desert... Yeah, this is when we decided, like, hey, everybody, can we, can we get in here? Let's, let's, let's get do it. some stuff. Yep. Space Shuttle Atlantis. Mm. Seldom talked about. Yeah. I think mostly because of the title. Um, is uh, they're going out to study gamma rays. Oh, uh, that's how you get the Hulk. Yeah. Some, Maybe that's why we don't talk about the Atlantis. <laughs> Special Atlantis. Captain Banner of the <laughs> shuttle Atlantis. And, uh, and something fucking awesome that happened in South Africa was the repealing and uh, end of apartheid. apartheid. They fucking finally realized that. 1991 is is that's late in the game, my man. Yeah, Jane's addiction hadn't even broken up yet, dude. First Jane's addiction breaks up, and now this. Now he broke up in '92. Jared, what do you what do you have going on there? What were we listening to? What what was on the radio before? All over the chart. We're all over the charts. All over the charts was all over the map. As we said before, this is a weird time. We got tides coming in, tides going out. We got weird eddies and whirlpools on the on the on the charts. Like number ten, gonna make you sweat by the CNC music factory. Gonna make you sweat. Gonna make you sweat till you bleed. Yeah. They always got like the the rappers with like the super hard voices for those songs. Like, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And do you know? I'm just a squirrel trying to get a nut. Smooth your butt. What? <laughs> we are also several years away from rap rock. Yeah. From the whole yes. the whole launch. It, we have to go through. The alternative is hitting. Nirvana with this album coins alternative. Um, we <laughs> we are only a few years away from now the mixing of rap. Right. Rock. I just was remembering Wacky D from CB four. CB four. Did I mention before that I can dance? <laughs> oh, that I'm yeah, sure yeah, I'm they were talking about CNC Music Factory. Oh, oh yeah. your man Michael Bolton with time, love, and tenderness at number nine. Man, just was he still just, just raking it in? Through. That's the album. I guess that song would have been on there too. I remember my that favorite song. work of his is in Dune. Oh man, he's a great drummer in Dune. So the same hair. That's how I. That's how I knew it was him. So good, dude. It's the hair. Number eight. 
now I'm not even joking anymore. I'm, I'm ditching that 90s irony, and I'm going to be sincere right now. Number eight for Unlawful Carnal Knowledge. Okay. Van Halen, the, right. the one, the only. See? That's an acronym for fuck. Yeah, it is. And uh, they were fucking smart because uh, I, I, don't know, I saw this interview with Sammy on YouTube not too long ago talking about how they had taken Allison Chains out on, on this particular tour. And Man in the Box was blowing up oh, at the Jesus. time. And he's like, it was partially we were scared. <laughs> right. And wanted these guys on our side. And partially, they really dug what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. Like, you can't listen to that first Alice in Chains record and not say, oh, these guys own Fair Warning. Yeah. You know, so yeah, the, yeah. they could see, but it was half and half. He said it was like half like, we, we loved oh, it. The crap. other half was like, keep your enemies closer. <laughs> But yeah. it worked out for everybody involved. And lifelong friendships were made. Dude, how rad is that? That is and a great pairing. What a great a nice show. I wish that I had been music. to that show. I did not. Oh, here you go, Chris. Number, I mean, this is a crazy year. Number seven, Bob Seeger and the Silver Bullet Band with the fire inside. What? Seeger. Bob. And, and the Bullet Band. All of Silver, them. nonetheless. Still doing it. God Man. damn. And that's just, a that's a good that, yeah that's a, number that's seven. T- that's a Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. That is Bob Seger, Silver Bullet Band. It's uh, Pride of Detroit. Janet fucking Reno and her <laughs> fucking band she has. <laughs> the Casino uh, Renos, yeah. which only just plays. Anyway, yes. Uh, um, I was uh, Janis Joplin. That's uh, uh, Big yes. Brother in the Holding Company, yes. right there. Number seven. That's not bad. You know, he's nuzzled up right behind Boys to Men. Bob Seger, Boys to Men, sharing chart space. It's a beautiful thing. 1991. When they a were on year. tour together, dude. Dude, when I saw that first show, uh, <laughs> Cooley High Harmony was the name of that album, which had the you know, you He's know the one fun in the studio. The Boys to Men album that everybody knows. Uh, maybe. It, oh, this is too bad because one spot above them on the chart, number five, is Color Me Bad. Mm. Their album CMB, mm. which I can only. That's short for Color Me Bad. Think probably stands yeah, yeah. for like, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not quick enough to think of something dirty for that see right now. <laughs> <laughs> but see, the C right is there. the yeah. letter C. Yeah, that's, that's hip hop, man. Because yeah, yeah. if you know anything about Color Me Bad, they were hip hop, hip hop. And uh, they should have been just like Gillette wanted to fucking have ZZ Top shave their beards. Oh Color me bad. Should have grown had, some. No, they they should have. They should have been. They, I hope they got that Gillette sponsorship. Maybe on the maybe on the down low. But I hope they had some fucking grooming uh, sponsorship. too. Yeah. That one guy had the real crazy like oh, like beard with the eighth inch. You can't fuck up. It's no. like golf. No, you could. You maybe can't. you pencil it in. I think you'd have to. I think there's been a couple yeah, times. Yeah, you could kick out of the rough too, Jared. The, too, but I mean, I'm where, just saying there were some nights. At? There were some nights he drank a little too much and he's trimming up the beard. Ah, and oh shit! Get the pencil. <laughs> oh fuck! <laughs> <laughs> I messed up my jawline. Not again. Oh, you know who else is hip hop as fuck? Is number four Bonnie Raitt with Luck of the Draw. I mean, what kind of chart is this? It's all. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. You know what it is? Ripe for the fucking cracking. This yes, this like, was <laughs> waiting for this Nirvana album to come out and just clear the table. Yeah, you got confused C's and you're waiting for <laughs> a dominant swell fuck to you, come from fuck the Northwest. You. You're cool, Van Halen. <laughs> fuck you. Yeah, yeah. You're out. 
Everybody get the yeah. fuck off the charts yeah. right now. Because, uh, I mean, number two, we had Natalie Cole, Unforgettable, with colon, with love. That's good. You know, that's nice. Yeah, that's a shout. Speaks to the uh, diversity of the charts at this moment. It's seriously speaking to the diversity of these charts. Number one. What? Oh, is that Dave Grohl? Metallica, the Black Album. You know the one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's number one. It, and looks like it has been there uh, for four weeks. It debuted there. And it's, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, this just came out a month earlier. The yeah. Black Album. Which we all were feeling, I imagine. I mean, they had they had so much momentum behind them. Mm. I mean, we covered "Ride the Lightning." They this they their YouTube trajectory. Oh. You know, not. Yeah. I was gonna say not to as many people, but totally to as many people. I mean, they, yeah. you just they're just not. In, oh, they were large, and they toured for like yeah. four years straight off yeah. of that shit. They, yeah, they could have retired. Goddamn giants! I was so excited to get to Metallica. I skipped right over number three because we were talking about Rush earlier. Rush what? was on the charts what? at number three. Sorry, I, I Song fucked about up. A robot, roll the bones. Remember that album? No. Oh, Neil Peart raps. No. Yes. Are yes. we talking about? Are uh, we talking about? I'm going to pull that up right now. Yeah, we like are. The, like the edge for numb. Oh, I wish. Are we talking about Billy Joel with "We Didn't Start the Fire"? <sighs> where, where on? I'm not supposed to rap. I'm going to let you decide. No per sit with rapping uh, on the I scale can... of numb to "We Didn't Start the Fire." Okay, I can. Uh, here we go. Let's see if I can make this happen. I believe I can. I think I can. Oh yeah, roll the bones. I gotta get to the rapping part. I want to say it was at the bridge, which is typical song structure should be about two thirds yeah, in. Yeah, exactly. It's like looking for boobs in a movie. Yeah, you gotta go to the forty-minute mark and plus or minus. I think after the guitar solo, from what I heard, oh, Lifeson has a wicked mullet in this video. But this is. So Nirvana's album comes out, and this is on the charts. Just I, I that's some Canadian bars for you, right? There. Yeah, <laughs> yo, this is <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. What's the guy? What's going Drake, on? From Drake, the Yukon. Drake was rapping along this. in the snow, and it's flowing on. Drake was rapping this in the mirror as a little kid. I know he was. That's some. <laughs> that's Canadian hip hop, hip hop. <laughs> uh, sorry, we had to do that though. I mean, how are we going to deprive everybody of Neil Peart's bars? <laughs> well, I mean, we brought it up, dude, and and, and you know. Anyway, we you have to... called down the thunder. Well, now you got it. That's right. From Nome to Rome, baby. Bringing that northern thunder. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get back into this record, then. Yeah, yeah. I now that we now that we that. just set the stage for what was going on. You maybe just want to hang your head out your bedroom window that night, smoke a doobie, and come back in and. and Listen to the second <laughs> half of this album. 
This is punk. We're back in punk rock right here. Oh, Chris Novoselic doesn't need to sing like that, but he chose to. Is that Chris Novoselic? I like that. I had a feeling he was going to do that. It's the breed move. It is kind of breed part two. Also, this has that the fucking probably my favorite lyric on the album. Yeah. Just because you're paranoid, don't mean they're not after you. <laughs> oh boy, did that speak to a young Jared Britt. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, this um, Laramie. My friend Jason Laramie, <laughs> who was on this podcast talking about yes. fucking, uh, who, who, who was that? Morphine. Yeah. And um, so Jason Laramie, got to find a way, a better way, Laramie. Sing is, that to him. Is, well, no, that's what he, he, he Oh, that's self funny because it kind of sounds like that. Sure. That was the, that was the big, you know, it's, it's almost like that Wayne and Garth where, uh, you know, um, he called it out on Wayne's World. <laughs> on Heart Shaped Box. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, Wayne. Hey, Wayne. I got a new complaint. Yeah. See, Kurt Cobain talks to people. Yes. Ooh, God, I got to do some... I can do some record math there. The breakdown on this song sounds a lot like an Urge Overkill song. Yeah. And Urge Overkill opened up for them on this tour, I believe. So I don't know if they were, it was parallel thinking, because I think those records came out about the same time. God, we could do the original kill second album, can we? Yeah, for sure. When we do like obscure, nobody gives a shit. Uh, November. Yeah. <laughs> we, do, <laughs> we do an obscure, nobody gives a shit podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so why not do it in November? Yes. What? It's having at it. The double time, the drums, the the snare hits on the drums. Fucking just, yeah. Just let it and and. That's no pop diddy. No, and like the hue, like the hue, <laughs> like the who, hue. <laughs> um, these guys weren't opposed to fucking bashing shit at the end of a set. Yeah, the they, break shit. They like the energy. Drop kick the drum set. You ever seen them live? You ever see these guys play live? Not personally, no. You ever see these guys play? All right, Jared. Well, I'll take it from here <laughs> because I've seen them play live, and oh boy. No, they were fucking great. Uh, I think it was in Buffalo. It was when they had added uh, Pat. Okay. I was... Germs. Uh, yeah, I was kind of angry of it. Uh, at it, going in, going like, ah, oh, I missed it. You know, they're adding a, f- a second guitar. Like That like, was, that's kind of a move like towards the end. It is. Yeah. And I think they did it probably better than most bands. Because the addition of him... Didn't take anything away. He looked like he was having a great time. They looked like they had a great time playing with him. And the music sounded awesome. And when you listen to In Utero, you see why they could need that second guitar to expand their sonic horizons. Like one of the L.A. punk rock uh, Mount Rushmore guitar guys, too. Right. With the germs. Yeah, yeah. Joins. Yeah. It's like uh, if, if, if Joe Strummer wanted to join your band, he'd be like, "It's like, yeah, we'll yeah, yeah. we'll do that." It's like when uh, Johnny Marr joined 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the Modest Mouse. Yeah. What? You're like, okay, you can yeah. do that? Yeah, okay. Um, do you think maybe that influenced a little Dave Grohl? Because now he's playing with Josh Homme, or, you know, at, at some point, and fucking John Paul Jones, that where you can do that. Cultures. You can just start slamming some shit together. You can ask that person to come over and play. I mean, it seems like Dave Grohl has a real good appreciation for, you know, the soundboard, the magic that went into it, all the talent that went into creating music. You know, he gets a, he gets a little taste into fucking, yeah. Let's add this guy on. I, I was you trying to hold that together, to Jared. I'm right seeing here. you have it. Yeah. You see what God did to me? <laughs> right my, now, oh. as I was trying to hold that shit together, Jared's awesome vintage 70s headphones are literally falling apart in your hand as you're they trying are. to keep them together. They it's, have, it's like you've done it. It's like you're trying to hold water in a cardboard box, dude. Oh. It is just failing on several levels. Every level. I got I to gotta change them out. All right, dude. You want to use my BBDs? <laughs> dude, how, how did that happen? I don't know. It just happened. That that just happened. God damn. So, you know, so I'm going to keep it spare, and I'm going to have to get it. I'm going to have to take those apart and do some. Yeah, you got to salvage that shit, shit man. That's, uh, them shits are okay. They don't, Yeah, see, like these new ones, they don't sound as good as those ones. No. Anyway. Well, that's it. That's just Territorial no, no, pissings. No, I don't think I said the name of that. You got a piss? Speak of? <laughs> Speaking of, you're gonna do no, some territorial no, pissings. Get some coffee. coffee. I could tell a story while you get coffee. Uh, that was territorial pissings. Yes. And as they like to do, so that's how they open up the second half of this album. That's a great crack good do it's a good do and after that like just raging id they give you a song like drain you that's just melodic as shit and it can hum it forever and sometimes i do these guys are brain worm masters somebody listened oh i heard him talking about the beatles one time and he yeah. said how it's funny because I would have said he's like got a McCartney-esque ear for melody, but he said sometimes McCartney would embarrass him because of like the corniness of some, which we all got embarrassed by Paul's corniness from time to time. Yeah, sure. However, I mean, if this ain't Penny Lane set to a punk rock drum beat, is give me a fucking break, drain you. Fun use of left and right too. Yeah, good mix in there. Butch. He's doing a little stuttery Ringo Star beat back there too. Yeah, right. It's the first time he's fucking with the with the caca. He just, as far as drumming, just stays on it. I did not see that. I didn't see that coming. That one caught me off guard. Dude, the yeah, thing that's is, a great song. It works every single time he does it. It's like a star wipe when you're doing amateur <laughs> video. You're like, well, I yep. mean, 
Why eat hamburger when you can it's, eat steak? It's at the <laughs> okay. top of the preset list That's just... what his doorbell sounds It was like. the punk rock thing to do. You know, when you reach that juncture, we're like, what, what would Reed Mullen do? Boom. Over and Chuck Biscuits. Over. What would Chucky Biscuits do right here? <laughs> Chuck Biscuits do? You're going to make that into a bumper sticker. What would Chuck Biscuits do? WWCBD. Now, here's the Ringo. Here's the Ringo Phil. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Wow, man. Completely. He do it. He's thinking of it, He's though. thinking about He's it. constantly thinking of it. This is the beginning of that Queen song, too, where you don't know when it's going to start. It's just right it's the hi-hat, though. I mean, this is the, the guy in the AHA video is bouncing against the walls right now, I think. <laughs> Nobody knows what's going on. Something building. Babies arguing at It's like, like steam being let out of this shit. Come on! Totally dance to this fucking live. Oh, you'd have to. It was it, it was awesome. It was, seeing these guys live, it wasn't like any kind of um, epitome that I had, or it wasn't the best show that I ever saw. But I remember loving it, start to finish. Driving there with a bunch of friends in my truck. Where's this? You said is it uh, upstate New York? Oh, and uh, I think it was in Buffalo or something like yeah, that. I think you said that. Sorry. That's right. Sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry. And uh, it was it was kind of like non-grand, you know, who's was, yeah. was on, on campus or something like that. But it's fucking killer, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It wasn't a huge stage setup, but they fucking uh, trashed their instruments at the end. <laughs> and, and they did. They hit all the marks, but it sounded great. And this, their arrangement and their song structure... You could put them in any venue, and they can tune the room to sound good and sound yeah. exactly like they want it to. It'll sound good in a club. It sound good in an arena. Yeah. Now we we mentioned Modest Mouse before. I think I don't even think on this <laughs> we're podcast about not sounding we, good in an arena. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's fucking trash at that time. I'm sure they're capable of it, just not the night we Absolutely. saw. Absolutely. And, and Queens of the Stone Age sounded pretty good that night, though. Um, I think they sounded good. Anyway, I mean, I've seen Deftones play several times. And one time they sounded like fucking garbage, man. <laughs> and, you know, t- tune the room or whatever it is. You play in the in the Kingdom or you play in the Key Arena or you play in the fucking Tacoma Dome. Um, all of them have their own acoustic fucking um, irregularities. Absolutely. <laughs> Nirvana f- on radio, on CD, on tape, on record, uh, live in any venue you can a competent sound person can make that sound good. Sure, it sound good on TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's simple enough, and it and it's a lot of that kind of mid tone drive that's coming at you, right out the book. 
Another uh, ironic song title, perhaps "Lounge Act." Lounge was was kind of a hip thing, and then I like that was very kitschy. Like it's any little. Do you remember uh, Richard Cheese would do all the all the covers of yeah, songs yeah. and loungy. Yeah, it, you know around uh, never. <laughs> no, no, but yeah. but around this time, um, Los Angeles has kind of like this lounge. Revitalization going on at a la swingers. Oh, you know? that's right. Yeah, um, it's money, baby. Yeah, and then you also have um, air, uh, fucking air supply. Zero, no, <laughs> zero seven, and yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, was it just air? No, it's air, 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 it just air and zero, zero seven. seven. Um, zero seven was like Sia's first band or some shit. Oh, like she damn. sang with them. I saw her with zero seven play at the Showbox. Fucking oh, yeah. now you gotta do the Matt Pinfield voice. Oh my god. I saw I saw <laughs> Sia sing there to Showbox. Showing her whole face. I was there. <laughs> like it was no big thing. They handed out condoms. <laughs> they did. Yeah? yeah. Well, it was the AIDS was, was like the it was the beast <laughs> that we were all This is while I was in Seattle. This is yeah. this is, oh. this is oh. Yeah, AIDS hung around for a while. I don't know if it, you know. It, it, it didn't it, we didn't really get a handle on that's that. That's the problem with AIDS, is yeah. it it sticks around. Uh Jesus. But it was the scourge of our existence for how long? <laughs> it AIDS was like that thing that just hovered. It was like uh, it was like the sexual cold war when you didn't know what the bomb was going to drop. Yeah, and okay, fucking in current events and shit like that. I mean, um, there was a, a heaviness to the air. And um, have you ever gotten an AIDS test? Nah, man. I got an AIDS test. <laughs> Uh, when I was in college, it was a few years after this album, many years before I saw the air show with Sia and Matt Penfield. <laughs> got where the we condoms later. You needed those condoms way earlier. Dude, Thanks. Totally. Where were we on that one, Sia? I think everybody at that show had sex that night. It was the <laughs> sexiest show by far I've ever been to. It was just like yeah, dripping. Like did they, just in the air, the music sounded amazing. The venue's incredible. Mm. It was everything that sexy music can do. Um, those guys are playing around this time. Air, like as far as lounge, that was like the 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 beginning you of electric that lounge. lounge. I think I it's guess. A, I think it's like electric lounge. Okay, it's, it's I, this, I guess it's I was. This, yeah. It's just revisiting, but with new technology. Yeah, and, I was speaking more of like not the, corny, the kitschy retro corny stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like I can't really get down with that. I mean, you want to talk about air in 07 yeah, I'm, I'm okay. To, I'm trying to weave in there. That's all you had to say. <laughs> Uh, tiki lounges and all that you can kind of keep it uh anyway lounge act and if you turn it up it sounds better i know chris novoselic had some money and probably played a really good bass but isn't it amazing how butch Vick can make it sound like a, a Samic off out of a pawn shop. <laughs> I play a Samic bass, by the way, so that's no disrespect. Well, here's one thing Chris Novoselic could not afford, no matter how well he did musically and politically, is a guitar strap long enough to fucking hold it. With those gorilla arms. He always had a bandana tied to the fucking remaining two feet of that thing. <laughs> it's like him and Peter Steele from uh, Typo Negative that just played the lowest basses. Yeah. 
Trujillo's and trying. Over. Trujillo's trying. Yeah, yeah. But he's not, he doesn't got the he, he appendages. I mean, he's just he's just a regular <laughs> no, no, size. Trujillo's yeah, yeah. like a regular size dude. Exactly. Not a beast. No. From the from the, the woods of do you, Aberdeen. Do you that guy's the, part Sasquatch. He's like Goonie Goo Goo when he yeah. came to his tryouts. Fully. <laughs> Fully, dude. That guy could probably swim like a motherfucker. Um, do you remember when he threw his base in the air on the, what is it, the yeah, MTV? Yeah, that was the high axle. And it came down on his head? Do you and remember that shit? I do remember Dude. that. And That's... then he had to fucking get off stage. He had to. <laughs> luckily, it was at the end of the song. But yeah. can you imagine throwing a bass guitar as high as you can in the air? Yeah, it was pretty off high. off a performance. And having that come, not sideways on your head, not glance your head, straight down and fucking clonk your noggin. He lost some memories from that one. Jesus. He doesn't remember three through eight now. No, no. He's done with that. That, that, that's rough. <laughs> I mean, that is rough. Still watching that footage is like watching a guy take a nasty ankle roll in the mm. NFL. You know, you're just like, oh. It's not, it's not, it's not fun. You hate it's to not see funny. It. It's you not fun. to see it. You know, Kirk Cobain is also um, diving backwards into the drum set. That was his move. It's just stage diving into He's the drum Molly set. Molly Shannon all over that <laughs> drum set. <laughs> and that always seemed like that would hurt. Fuck that. Yeah. Because I would not do that. There's nothing soft back there. No. It's, it's, catch a fucking high hand stand in the ribs. Yeah. You puncture a lung. You get, you can have trouble. This guy got a death wish or something. That's why he got on heroin. A lot of people don't know that. <laughs> His ribs hurt too yeah, much. Took one shot <laughs> from a uh, fucking high hat. One high hat to the ribs is all it takes. Dude, fuck that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not with it. At no time, any when we were playing or any time <laughs> I've ever played, have I been like, I need to tackle or crash into something. Right now, granted, my instrument is bashing things. Right, you're, you're however, however system. decent I am at it, <laughs> still hitting shit. It's still hitting shit. Focused hitting stuff. I love it. It's a great meditation. It, it you you got different limbs doing different timings. It's a fucking blast. And I could see fantasies of being a lead singer. I have them. Have had them. Still have them. Had one today. Same here. <laughs> And, uh, but I'm not drum jumping into a drum kit. No. Go fuck yourself, jumping into. Yes. A you gotta wear boots. I like thigh pads. Don't need to do that. Tape a shin. You know this song? Stay away. Thanks. I just want to say thanks yeah. for not jumping into my shit, man. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> You're quite welcome. Other than the wall. Yeah, I did put my ass right between the studs, and at one point. My ass could fit between two 16 inches, 14 and a half inches. I had a narrow enough ass to clear 14 and a half inches. If, if I'm recalling correctly, that was after a high kick? Yeah, we used to drink a lot of Bud Light. And after a few, Jared would like to try out his David Lee Roth kicks just to amuse his bandmates. Because, you know, we're cheeky like that. Fucking high kick, slip out, ass through the wall. Mm. We didn't skip a goddamn thing, no. my friend. No, sir. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> stay away. Skipping some beats here, man. What? <laughs> okay, this is turning into the worst drinking game of all time. 
for the best. I will say that's an improvement that Incesticide had over this album was just a little bit more diversity in song writing slash structure. Yeah, yeah. Although I fucking love these verses. Hitting the guitar, doubling that shit. Really nice. The song would have been very comfortable on Bleach. Who knows? Maybe Absolutely. it was from that era. Who knows? Yeah, and that's something I don't know about this album. What are the carryovers? But I do know that a decent amount of this album was written written while they were recording the album. Yeah. So this is this is they're on their toes. They again have right. this big backing, and they need to they need to come up with material. Bleach was the baby. Never mind. Really, it had some of the poppy ones like About a Girl was yeah, on there. Yeah. But they real heavy shit too, like school, man. I fucking love school, and I'll slip, I'll slip school into the end of, uh, the end of uh, banging horses. Sometimes we do the outro. I love, I love, just wouldn't you believe it? It's just my luck. No recess, no recess. I mean, come on, like that's the most. <laughs> Anyone from five on up can dig that one. Yeah. Ah, uh, wouldn't you believe it? Just my luck. No recess. Damn it. <laughs> In Aberdeen, I bet you they had a lot of rained out recesses. Absolutely. I know that's coming from the heart right there. <laughs> you had to stay away. One of the coolest things about moving and living out in Seattle is becoming familiar with the haunts where these bands that we're talking about come from. And even back with Jimi Hendrix, too. Just the uh, Yesler driving around, and that's his family's house on Yesler, and yeah. fucking so and so, and this and that. It is tangible in the air out here, and it, and it feels like it's getting less and less. But yep. in '97, when I moved out here, there were still ripples from this era. One of the main reasons that Seattle was the place to go to, knowing that grunge had already hit, and it's not like you're gonna get into a new revitalization but there was tons of venues there was music was accepted out here music uh, yeah lots of places to play yeah which is like now oh. sure yeah exactly. <laughs> it is a bit of the good old days but just with everything that's closed uh, in the last year growing up on long island that wasn't a thing there wasn't the your local band scene no cover bands and shit right cover bands yeah. and shit and um oh. Go Dave. Yeah, right. Uh, the old slow down drum fucking fill, dude. Classic. Globally got blue down. Sullivan's detuning right there. And I think we're going to cover them next. Next week. You're going to see what the Melvins are all about. That's just a little teaser right there. They're in dialogue. Yeah. All these Seattle bands are in dialogue with each other. They're clocking how each other is is getting famous or sh- venues that they're playing, what kind of traction they're gaining, and uh, almost yes-anding each other because Nirvana, Kurt Cobain, and, and, and Eddie Vedder historically um, in the media had like this little bit of beef. A little bit at odds. And I think that was blown out of proportion, but Kurt Cobain has this acerbic attitude about 
being famous or what are your songs about or what does your band mean? You can't get a straight answer from this entire band. And but they're not jovial. They they're they have the inside joke. Yeah. And they're not letting you in on it though. No. And Soundgarden kind of has the inside joke, but they 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 want you to catch up a little bit. Yeah. Um <laughs> any band that will cover Big Bottom or Earache My Eye. Yeah. Yeah, come on. Oh, uh, um you know, but all these bands are in dialogue with each other coming out of Seattle. And to just circle back around to a, a lame point I was trying to make, it's really visceral. It's getting quieter, but it's really visceral moving to this area and playing at the same places, driving down the same roads, going into Aberdeen over and over again, staying in Aberdeen, driving through Aberdeen. I built a playground that's still functioning in Aberdeen. It's like, you know, you have children, man. You have these little um, nexus echoes. Uh, It's, it's neat. It's, it's really fucking neat. As far as um, if I, if I moved to Nebraska, there would be less of that dynamic. You yeah, know, you could find out where like Brad Eyes grew up or something. Yeah, sure. Maybe you know, like <laughs> fucking Slipknot. <laughs> no, Slipknot. Iowa. That's Iowa. Iowa. Sorry. Where they where they fucking harvested potatoes in fucking Iowa. Or meth. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good band though. Slipknot. Slipknot. Slipknot's yeah, a good band. I you know they're okay. They're, I, I got nothing bad to say about them. We'll put, I'll leave it at that. I'm sure we can come up with stuff if we did an episode on them. <laughs> But, you know, like, um, and maybe we should touch into at some point blast beat bands, Dillinger, Escape Plan, or Locust, or, or, you know, something where... (laughs) Themes within themes, plans within plans. I think we're going to find out that we should probably just keep doing this podcast for a while. I guess. We're not out of second albums yet. No. I kept thinking we're going to run loose, but this is our second year doing it. Wait till we fucking cover Maker's Red. Oh, my God. Liner notes. On a plane. Uh, this is another one I remember hearing on the radio a lot, but not a single. Shit. Doesn't right out of the gate. Dude, I got so high I scratched till I bled. I mean, that is the most <laughs> 1991 lyric. Yeah. A city awash. In China White. Got so high, scratchy blood. Isn't he singing in just like a key or two higher than he normally does? He almost sounds a little bit different when he starts his song. Yeah, it's up, keyed up a little bit. It's in the higher end of his register. And, you know, he's pushing it, you know, it's all coming out. Doubling right there is great army. There's your Paul McCartney army right there. That's Beatle army. You can roll this album. You like the little subtle background vocals in here too. The little hums, yeah. Just, and, uh, and they get well a little more prominent Oops. as the song goes on. Well, they roll out as everything fades down and they leave those up, which is a great move. Oh, proper bridges. Yeah, 
Dave Grohl made you feel like it's okay to do that sort of Nice little fill there, Chris. Um, that would be a good one too, like the second Foos album, because that's the first album where everybody's playing. Okay. First one being just all Dave. Yeah, yeah. You getting Pat in the mix, uh, Adam and, and uh, the bass player. I'm forgetting his name from also from uh, San Diego Real Estate. Newstead. Michael Nobody knows <laughs> Jason Newstead actually Leo. played that first <laughs> Fighter album. Uh, he still had Alan Goldsmith from, uh, but that was that's a story. And you know what? Little shout out to uh, Solving Sounds and Brent over there. Uh, What's he, up, Brent? He interviewed Alan Goldsmith um, and got into that a little bit. Um, we got stories from. Uh, <laughs> we got stories that 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 was a contentious recording session, and will be a fun album to cover, I think. Okay. All kinds of drama, which is, you know, what you're looking for in one of these things. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, uh, but that's Pat Smear. That's pre-Chris Shiflett, I think. I don't think Shiflett had made the, made the band yet. Taylor, though? Taylor playing nope. drums? Nope. Not yet? Nope. That's pre-Taylor. He's still like, playing with Atlantis Morrison. Yeah. And playing the drums, too. Yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> so scared. That's a good thing that worked to the last song in this album, Chris. I feel like it's coming right at the right time. And uh, album closers, solid. This is like uh, last week with Indifference, closing out verses. Keeping it real low-key on the like, we just we, it, shot it, up a little bit, right. about to nod out. The whole this album is the record. did the heavy lifting. Let's just leave you for a little bit. Something in the way, which... You say that sounds isn't that like a Beatles song? In in, in the vein that um uh Pink Floyd's song Wish You Were Here right. as a title comes around with Incubus. <laughs> um title songs come around. But funny enough, movie titles come yeah. around again too. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of crossover, but there's a lot of repetition. As far as I can tell, he's kind of flipping the meaning where uh George Harrison was there's something in the way she moves. Yeah. You know, there's something in the way that this is he's uh, you <laughs> yeah, like my hand gestures yeah, it's some more Shakespeare very Shakespearean yeah. alas poor Yurik I knew him Horatio yes a man of infinite jest uh the fuck was I talking about you were talking about how this is kind of a, a flip to George Harrison yes something there is the literally something in his way that's what I'm reading there's something wait, wait, in the saying? way there's something oh, like in Kurt's yeah or you know yeah. wall a, a wall crippling drug addiction whatever you think it might be there is literally something in this guy's way yeah Whew. oh so he you're saying something in the way comma she moves <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking semicolon but uh, whatever before because I mean you put the 45 on 33 yeah you just untied the tourniquet fuck I wish what what 
drag totally saw that bridge Green ghetto basement. <laughs> Christmas lights kind of hanging. Yeah. <laughs> Smoky like motherfucking Mordor. Yeah, work sink smells a little uh, like pee. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, this great album closer because yeah. you're, ready, yeah. you're ready to <laughs> talk about just, 90s cliches right there. Yeah, that was a thing. Yeah, before Shine Down started, yes. really just cracking it. Yeah, getting those cellos in there. Well, while this is playing, let's talk about a phenomenon that happened. MTV is crushing it at this mm. point, has been for a bit, and is embracing this new movement of music. They got, uh, yeah. they have the glam rock on lockdown, and now they're adding this to the repertoire, a whole nother branch. And then with that, they decide to do Unplugged. Mm-hmm. Pearl Jam has a fucking Classic. legendary unplugged performance on MTV Unplugged. This album, MTV Unplugged Nirvana, one of the best. Probably the best fucking, one they did. Probably the best one they did. Yeah. It sounds so good. They add the cello. Mm-hmm. They. Oh, uh, Dave they, with the brushes Dave and with the bundles. Dave with the brushes and the rock sticks. <laughs> kidding me the turtleneck the turtleneck <laughs> who are these guys do they care i think they do but they, they care do. about the music pat was there too this is where they started realizing we need to fill this out because if they just did it unplugged without pat it would sound hollow with the cellos yeah they needed that one extra just the that little push one. over the cliff just he's going to 11 yeah and he got to break the rules a little bit and use his stomp box on the uh, David Bowie cover. Yeah. You know? Which is... Of course. Are we are we talking some of the all-time best covers? Oh, shit. That's a great cover. He does the Lead Belly cover. Yeah. Which is uh, like goosebump-inducing. Yeah. And it's where, as far as a vocal approach, Kurt Cobain was in his prime on that MTV Unplugged because he was, was in shape. He was in shape. He could do everything live. He's well trained doing it live and amplified. But now his surgical breaking of his tone <laughs> was able to be picked up in those good ass mics and yeah. all that air in the room. Yeah, everybody's quiet. You can actually just you always knew he could scream. Yeah, exactly. You can hear like his esophagus like breaking apart. And that's one of the things that people really tied to him, where he's almost like in an Iggy Pop way, where this isn't the best singer I've heard, 
but this is like a raw singer. This is this is true. Again, maybe a little Janis Joplin in there. Yo, he meant that shit. He meant that shit. He was pulling it from somewhere. Probably a rainy fucking place out in rural Washington. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that this is we're in the heyday. We are in the in the center of MTV Unplugged and a multi-front media approach to putting out music like we probably won't see because you know videos are coming out now ish you know you can go youtube look is the new mtv i guess yeah but but almost like there was networks you know you had the three networks so a billion people were watching all in the family every <laughs> night um the, like i mean the, every <laughs> timely <laughs> timely reference every single couldn't go cheers seinfeld <laughs> In the MASH finale, though. Oh, my God. I bought a MASH magazine two days ago. (laughs) What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, I was checking out of Fred Meyer, and um, (laughs) and, uh, somebody I work with, Chandra, she's fucking awesome. She knows a lot about MASH. I'm also a fan of MASH. And so as I was checking out, I saw that there was some, I don't know if it was time or people. It wasn't people, but it was something like that. And, And fucking... All mash retrospective. Just bring it all all the way through, and it, and it, uh, honestly, just kind of like a, <laughs> a a cursory look into the world of mash, sure. but enough. Oh, yeah, and uh, and so <laughs> as, as a nice goodbye Christmas <laughs> gift, I bought that in a bath bomb for. Nice, and uh, uh, I mean, obviously, mash is timeless. This album is also going to be timeless. Oh, I don't see this thing. My seventy year old nephew. Yeah, this is his favorite band. This band launched a million guitarists. This band yeah. just absolutely struck a chord. Inspired me uh, as not somebody who could sh- shred a roo yeah. like the cool guys on the block. It was an inspiration to me. Like, yeah. oh, this counts, man. Like that, that just those cor- those power chords he's playing is enough yeah. to make this song I just heard on the radio sound amazing. Yeah. I could do that. Between him, this is strange, but about the same time I'm watching uh, Rattle and Hum, and Bono's telling me all I got is a red guitar, three chords, and the truth. And yeah, here yeah, comes yeah. this motherfucker, uh, Kurt Cobain, who's straight living it. And I'm like, they, oh, Bono, he never told a lie. And it was on. Yeah. These are the, the these bands are that we're talking about are high tides, man, raising all ships. Um, <laughs> yeah. They're, uh, they're not so complicated. Or deceptively complicated in like Soundgarden, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they want you to listen. They want to be accessible. They're whether by design or or happenstance influences or whatnot. Um, it's kind of a gateway into another set of arrangements that are hearkening to pop arrangements. They yep. they they are true to their influences and original to their approach. Boom. Can't say it any better on this episode. Oh man, but let's talk about the Melvins on the next episode. Ah, smoke weed every day.